look, there's really no other way for me to say it. You're missing out. If you're not playing this, you're missing out. It's the free contests on the NBC Sports Predictor app. They've already handed out over $3 million in cash prizes, and there are tens of thousands more up for grabs this and every week. So get in on the action right now with the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet. For the biggest names in sports talk, watch the NBC Sports Channel every weekday on Peacock. Featuring pro football talk, the Dan Patrick Show, the Ritz Eisen Show, and more. Streaming live for free on PeacockTV.com slash NBC Sports. Welcome to the Peter King Podcast. This week, with free agency a month away, we'll talk to the most intriguing unsigned player in the NFL. I didn't say the best unsigned player in the NFL, but the most intriguing. That's New Orleans quarterback, running back, wide receiver, special teams ace, Taysom Hill. I spoke to Hill at the Super Bowl to save for the start of free agency. You know, but with all the activity around the Saints and with Drew Brees announcing this week that he'd return for one more season, I wanted to release this conversation with Hill right now. And instead of a second guest this week, I'm going to go deep on all the quarterback situations around football. I'll tell you what I know, what I have a clue about, or what my educated guess on each place and each player will be. So... The way I'll do this week's podcast is I'll bookend the conversation with Taysom Hill with my information on the other quarterback hotspots. I'll lead with the Saints, and you'll hear from Hill, and then you'll hear me on the other side with a rundown of all the other non-New Orleans situations. So, let's get into the Saints. You know, this is a really interesting story. Right after the season, there was legitimate concern that Drew Brees would retire and take a TV job. Following in the footsteps of another very smart and well-spoken recent retiree, Tony Romo. Breeze got significant interest all over the network spectrum. And I've heard ESPN in particular really wanted him for Monday Night Football as a fallback in case ESPN could not lure Tony Romo from CBS this offseason. But over the past month, what seems to have happened is Breeze came to the same realization that Philip Rivers came to recently. You know, Rivers has always wanted to be a high school football coach in the South in his second professional life. And he told Sam Farmer of the LA Times last week that if he started down that path, meaning being a high school football coach, there'd be no going back to the NFL for a player in his late 30s or early 40s. So why not play one or two more years and then go into coaching? That's basically what uh, Philip Rivers decided to do. And I think that's basically the same reasoning for Breeze. Because there's no singular TV job that won't be there in the next year or two. It, or a job, I should say, that's also going to be very, very tempting to, um, you know, to uh, Drew Brees. So I think he feels like, listen, Drew Brees is going to play his 15th year and seek his second Super Bowl title, and with that team, he's got a real shot. If you're Drew Brees and you feel good, you're totally uninjured, you still love the game, 
why not do it? I think it has very little to do with money for Breeze. You know, he's already made $250 million or so, uh, and it's easy for me to say who cares about the money. But I think the biggest reason is Drew Brees is just saying, hey, listen, I might have a year left with my foot with football uh, and my body feeling the way it is. So let's just do one last season to try to win a second Super Bowl. So as for the rest of the Saints quarterback depth chart, uh, let's just go over that a bit. So Teddy Bridgewater, 5-0 and uh, as Breeze's sub last year when he had the hand surgery. I think he will be out. Tampa Bay is going to be very interested in Bridgewater. I'll talk, about, I'll talk more about that in the second half of the podcast. Um, and I also think there could be other teams. I think Carolina could be interested in him as well. But I do think that Tampa Bay is the best spot for Bridgewater, and we'll talk about that. As for Taysom Hill, you may have heard me and Mike Florio extol his virtues in the last couple of weeks on Florio's pro football talk show on NBC Sports Network. You probably heard 96% of the football media kill us for it, particularly Florio. He, he went a lot further than I did. But, and, you know, it's clear, Taysom Hill doesn't have a quarterback resume of any kind. He's only played very sparingly at quarterback. But in the end, uh, the way I look at it is that, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's, this is a little bit patronizing. But in the end, all, all us writers and sportscasters, can, we, we can say whatever we want. But the only vote in the Taysom Hill referendum that counts is Sean Payton's. And I can tell you, Payton loves him. And barring a surprise, barring a team in restricted free agency making Taysom Hill a huge offer, I think it's very likely the Saints are going to keep him and give him the first shot at being Breeze's heir in 2021. It's not a lock, but I do think he's going to get the first shot if he hangs around through 2020. So this is one thing you don't know about the Saints quarterback future. Sean Payton just this week told Hill he'd probably heard all these wonderful things that the coach has said about him over the last couple of years. But Peyton had said that stuff to all other people. This week, Peyton wanted to tell Hill some of those things himself. So he picked up the phone, called Hill, and basically said, look, I love you. I don't want you to leave. Please don't leave. Let's work this out. And I don't know what exactly was said in the call, but I know that they spoke about this. See, Sean Peyton, and I know you're going to accuse me of going overboard on Taysom Hill. But this is not about me. This is about Sean Payton. He believes he has Steve Young in the building in Taysom Hill. He doesn't want Hill to get away. So now you're going to hear my conversation with Hill. Keep in mind that we spoke in Super Bowl week, so some of this will be dated. But if you're like me, it's pretty cool to hear Hill's voice. For a player as interesting as he, as he is, no one really has any idea who he is or what he sounds like. So here's Taysom Hill. You're like the most interesting guy in the <laughs> NFL going into free agency because 
no one really has any idea what's going to happen with you. I asked Sean Payton. He was right at this table yesterday. I said, will Sean Payton get a restricted free agent contract offer from somebody? And he said he thought you would, that somebody would be very interested in you. And it's such a weird situation because, as it strikes me, no one really knows exactly what you are because you haven't shown it yet, but everybody is really kind of fascinated with yeah. you. Is it a weird spot for you to be in right now? Yeah, well, I would say weird, yes, because I've, I haven't been there before, you know, but um, I, I have a, a vision for myself and what I, I think I can be and what I can accomplish in the NFL. And so really at this point, as you get to free agency, it's it's figuring out what that vision is for yourself and it's finding the right opportunity with the right staff, the right, you know, build around you to make those things align. And that's really, as I approach free agency, that's kind of my thought process. And, um, you know, to answer your next question, I, I do feel like the Saints vision for me and my vision for myself, I, I do think that those things marry. Look, this is just me as somebody who really likes to watch football. But I have to tell you, I, I'd i love to see you play for Sean Payton for the next 10 years. Because, I don't know if you remember, but a year ago I was in, uh, I, uh, Sean Payton allowed me to see your Saturday night prep session. Yep. So we were in a hotel in New Orleans and we were in a ballroom and you're doing the walkthrough with some of the plays. Yep. And this play comes up in which there's three receivers to the right, three receivers to the left. You're in the trips formation to the right, and Drew Brees yeah. is in the trips formation of the yeah. left. And I looked out there and I said, there is no quarterback and there's no running back on the play. And Peyton is kind of making like the play clock is running down 10, 9, 8. And like at about 6, you sprint into the backfield you take the snap, yeah. and anyway, that's what happened the next day. But how much fun must that be for a football player to have just incredibly weird stuff invented week after week? Oh, man, I, I would tell you the last few years I've had so much fun playing for the Saints. And, and you know, Coach Payton has so much swag, you know, where I, <laughs> I think most coaches can't get away with doing crazy things like that but but coach just he doesn't care he loves it he's always trying to find opportunities to do stuff like that and um you know i've been the beneficiary of being involved in a lot of them frankly and you know i think drew has had a lot of fun with it we've had a lot of fun together going through it together um but it is fun every wednesday thursday fridays i wake up early and and i i get the install and i kind of like looking around to see where i'm going to end up that week is it different almost every week? Almost every week. No, 100%. You know, as you look at our game plans, you look at our personnel groupings, there's always something that's, that's unique and different. I've got to think that part of it must be slightly frustrating for somebody who I'm sure wants to play every play, but it also must be a lot of fun because you're doing something that nobody else in the NFL does. Yeah, you know, that, that was one of those things that as I looked at the situation you know and I look at my position of playing quarterback which is ultimately the the end goal for me you quickly realize that look Drew is a hall of famer he's the one of the best to ever play the position like he's going to play but 
after that, like, there's not another quarterback that, that plays, you know. Um, and so as I looked at the situation, it's like, well, do I want to stand on the sideline holding a clipboard and, you know, going through that? Or, man, why don't I try to find opportunities? And so I, I have welcomed those. You started that on special teams, right? Started on special Westoff? teams, yeah. yep. And I, you know, I welcome those opportunities, those experiences, and then it just kind of grew into what it is today, and it's been awesome. Um, I remember after the, um, the the playoff game against Minnesota, where you threw the beautiful deep ball, and um, <laughs> I heard the radio call of one of the next plays that you were in the game, <laughs> and the radio call was, "Uh-oh, this guy's in." I never thought I'd be able to say this, but. I'm kind of glad that that uh, you know that Taysom Hill is out of the game. It's crazy to say we like to see Breeze, but you just sort of got hot at the end of the year. Do you think you have shown teams enough right now entering free agency that somebody would say we want this guy to be our quarterback? You know, I I hope so. You know, and as I look at free agency, and you you never really know how an organization views you, how other yeah. teams, you know, view you. But as I look back at the 2019, 18, 17 season and preseasons, um, my goal was always to take advantage of every opportunity that was right. presented uh, to me. And I feel at peace that I was able to do that. And I feel really comfortable that whatever happens is going to be a good situation for me and my family. Um two other things just about that aspect and about how you play do you think part of the reason why you appealed to Peyton and why you appeal to any offensive coach is not just your versatility but Drew Brees has said that this guy is a grinder and he comes in in the morning he does he spends the long hours he does that he studies this so even though I guess technically Drew is trying to hold you back a little bit, not not really because he wants to see you succeed as well. How much has it helped you to have that kind of guy in front of you? Yeah. Oh, uh, look, I, I tell people all the time it's been the best thing for my career that I could have ever asked for. You know, I look at Drew and you know, there's no doubt that he's one of the best to ever do it. And I think there's this natural competition with guys that aren't really wanting to give all their secrets away because they know what it takes to be at that level. And I'll tell you from the second I got there, Drew has been like an open book to me. And he has just shown me everything that he's done. And he is, he's really he's become one of my best friends. You know, he's, he's like a big brother to me. And he's been an incredible mentor. And I, I, realized, I realized how much I didn't know before I got to the NFL, before I started working with him right. and what it took to play the position. And he showed me that. Do you have a total gut feeling now about whether Drew Brees will be on a football field or in a broadcast <laughs> booth in 2020? I, I, I don't know. Um, are I, you just saying that or you do, do you truly <laughs> don't know? Well, look, if I did know, I don't know that I'd be blasting it out you know, <laughs> right now. But um, look, I'll tell you, I, I certainly hope he comes back in place. I, I think... It, it's better for the NFL, frankly, I think, if, if he's out playing. Yeah. If you look at what he did last year, he played at such a high level, had his highest QBR of his, of his career last year. I mean, the guy has, has, has continues to, to do it all, and he's a great leader for our team, and 
man, I, I, I hope he comes back. I'm going to go back to one more thing about imagination with Sean Payton. Do you remember one time over the last two or three years where you walked in on Wednesday and you saw a play and you just got incredibly excited because you were going to get to run that play in a game. It, oh, has yeah. there been a time? Oh, yeah. And, get, and, get, and, and tell me about it and tell me why you think that it was a play that you really wanted to run. Yeah, well, I, I will say um, that, that, happens, that happens every week. Um, and and I, I could point to several plays just in that Minnesota game, and the first being – the 50-yard completion to Deontay Harris down the field. And um, as we talked about that play, as we drew it up, it's funny, Coach will get on the board and he'll say, like, listen, this is how it's going to work out. You know, safety's going to take Mike and, you know, Deontay's going to run this on the corner and he's going to be wide open. So just throw it. <laughs> um, and it's crazy because if you look at it, it played out exactly how he thought it was going to play out. Now, it doesn't happen all the time. But, but Sean, Sean is really good, man, at putting schemes together where it plays out exactly how he expected it. And that was one of those for sure where I was like, man, I hope, I hope that that play gets called. Um, and it did, and it was successful. I want to do one question about history, okay? When you got when the Saints brought you onto their team you had been basically kind of a spare part in Green Bay yep okay and you had an opportunity there and I remember one of the things that Peyton told me at the time no one had ever heard of you no one knew anything about you and no one had any idea if you were even going to make this team yep. for any period of time and I said What's he like, Sean? And he goes, I might be crazy, but I think he's got a chance to be Steve Young. And you must have heard things like that. And after one team just cuts you, kind of naturally, it's not, it wasn't a shock to anybody. What was it like to hear a really imaginative coach say that about you? Yeah. Well, I, I think there's a, a unique thing for any successful athlete and I think it takes obviously someone that's competitive and motivated to do and put the work in to be successful but I also think it requires someone that believes in you a coach and it believe and, and it takes someone like that to create opportunities for you and I look at my career coach Peyton has has always been that for me he's always been a guy that's believed in me and as a player like that was empowering to me Mike Westoff is another one of those guys Their to me. Their special teams coach Our when special you got team, there. Yep. yep. And he created opportunities for me to get on the field. And But it's one of those things that when you know a coach believes in you and creates opportunities for you, like I'm, I'm extra motivated to not let them down, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. And I, I think it requires that to really, you know, be successful and to really accomplish everything that, that you can. And uh, it, it has been empowering for me. Well, uh, I'll get you out of here on this. I, I think in some ways you're obviously, it's a mystery what's going to happen over the next couple of months. It depends on a lot of things. What happens with Drew Brees? Um, you know, what happens with Teddy Bridgewater? All these things. But the alternatives for you are not bad because if the Saints put a first-round tender on you and someone makes a bid for you, 
it's probably not going to be a team like in the top 10. Yeah. You know, I think it would tend to be a team maybe lower in the first round. So you either could stay with the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton, you know, as imaginative as any play designer and play caller in football, or you could go somewhere where the team is pretty good, you know, where, you know, if you're maybe even a playoff team. And so I sort of look at it and I wonder what goes through your mind when you consider what could happen in March. You know, honestly, I I haven't really gotten too far in into all of that because I I think really being a restricted free agent kind of limits what what that would look like. Um, But, you know, look, I've had a lot of conversations with my agent and he kind of knows who would be interested and, um, you know, who who would be high on me. And I I think it's one of those things that we'll take it as it comes. But for right now, um, I feel really at peace with what I did for the first three years of my NFL career that whatever happens, my, my wife and I will be happy. I'll tell you one last thing. About a week ago, a general manager for a very good team in the NFL I was on the phone with him, and he just asked me this question. He goes, two questions. Do you think the Saints would match if we put a, if they have a first-round tender on Taysom? Would they match if we made it very heavy in the first year or so? And I said, I don't think they would if Breeze comes back. But if Breeze doesn't come back, I don't think Sean Payton is going to let Taysom go. And he goes, well, how heavy? I said, I, I, I don't have any idea. <laughs> but I just started to think to myself, this is, this is a really good team in the NFL asking about you. And I just thought, whatever happens to Taysom Hill, it's going to be fun. Yeah, well, and, and look, that's like I said, I, I, I'm excited. I'm optimistic about the future, you know. Um, and so it's one of those things that I feel like I have a great foundation as far as being able to learn from and watch Drew that um, it laid a great foundation for the rest of my career, whatever that may look like. Taysom Hill, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. My thanks to Taysom Hill for joining me on this podcast. Taysom Hill joined me on behalf of Tonal. Tonal is the world's most technologically intelligent home gym and personal trainer. It's an all-in-one machine that utilizes a digital weight system and AI to deliver users a highly personal optimized workout. A perfect solution for anyone looking for in-home strength training equipment and access to personal training for more effective workouts. So, thank you, Tonal. And now for the second half of the quarterback-centric podcast. So let's start with that third wheel on the Saints in 2019, Teddy Bridgewater. Basically the second wheel. I guess you'd call Taysom Hill the third wheel. But uh, you understand why Teddy Bridgewater... First of all, they can't pay him to be a backup another year because he's going to have an opportunity out there. Um, And what I have heard is that, first of all, Tampa Bay, quite honestly, I think, and I wrote this this week at Football Morning in America, Tampa Bay really feels strongly that uh, they've given Jameis Winston every shot. It's not out of the question that he resigns in Tampa. Let's say if Bridgewater... Uh, maybe go somewhere else and 
and whoever is behind door number two doesn't sign. But I do think if they can, it's just my gut feeling, I think if they can, they will go hard after Teddy Bridgewater. And it's more than just the interceptions. Everybody saw it, uh, Bridgewater through 30 of them this year. He's got more interceptions than any quarterback in football since he entered the league in 2015 as the first pick in the draft. Um, and I just think, look, <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater in his career, okay, it's 44 career games at quarterback for Minnesota and New Orleans. In his career, he's had 25 interceptions. And obviously, that's five fewer than Jameis Winston had this year in 16 games. So um, my gut feel, as I say, is Tampa goes after Teddy Bridgewater. Let's talk about Phillip Rivers. So Phillip Rivers is interesting because I think there are some people who think that in 2019 he really started going over the edge. Uh, and I don't blame you. He did not have a great year in 2019. Um, and I think the biggest issue he had in 2019 was struggling behind a line that uh, was a sieve very often during the course of the year. And Phillip Rivers was just careless. Why do the Colts make sense? I think there are three reasons. So Frank Reich, who's the uh, head coach of the Colts, and Nick Sirianni, who was the offensive coordinator of the Colts, basically they were on the San Diego Chargers coaching staff between 13 and 15, um, and they both were in the quarterback room together, those two guys and Phillip Rivers. They were all together for three years. And I think the fact that uh, that they know Rivers very well. They know what his limitations are, but they also know the benefit that he would be. He's a great team leader, not a good leader, but a great team leader. He really wants to play one or two more years. Uh, and when Sirianni and Frank Reich understand that, I believe when they start to talk to him in the free agent tampering period, which I'm sure they will do, um, I think they're going to be convinced that he desperately does not want his career to be over, and he wants one shot at a ring. Number two, if you look at the offensive line of the Indianapolis Colts, it's significantly better than the Chargers line was. So when you look at it, you say, look, he's most likely going to be protected better by a better offensive line. His running game, the talent, is not going to be better, but I do think that they're going to be able to run the ball well behind that line. And when you're a guy who's Phillip Rivers' age, you don't want to throw it 625 times in a season. You want to throw it maybe 450 times. And you want to let the running game do a lot of the dirty work. That's what Frank Reich wants to do and Nick Sirianni. That's what they want to do as coaches. And I think there's a third thing. The Colts really, really like Jacoby Brissett, and they're not positive why he went downhill in 2019. Um, they think part of it is injury-related, but they they do not want to give up on Jacoby Brissett. So they would like him, I think, to be on this team in 2020. Uh, and particularly, you know, because the, it, this is not a situation where if 
You've got, let's say, $38 million wrapped up in the starter and backup at quarterback that you're going to be in real big trouble for one year because, you know, the Colts are $86 million under the cap. They've got room to make a luxury signing like this. I would be surprised unless the the next team I'm going to talk about, the Carolina Panthers, unless the Panthers get involved, uh, and I'll tell you why, uh, unless the Panthers get involved, I'm not saying I'd be surprised if Rivers doesn't go to Indianapolis, but I do think that Indianapolis is the leader in the clubhouse for Phillip Rivers. Now, let's talk about the Carolina Panthers. I think what has happened in Carolina – uh, in the last, say, year or so, is that you have seen, uh, you've seen an owner uh, who's been very, very aggressive, David Tepper. And he's a guy who believes that if you spend money and spend money the right way, you can absolutely affect the pennant race. He showed that with Matt Rule, you know, and hiring him as a head coach, which it seems absurd to most people that you pay a guy who has been an assistant offensive line coach for one year in the NFL and then all his experiences in college football. It seems sort of ridiculous that you'd pay Matt Rule uh, the money they paid him. Basically, uh, seven years, $8.7 million a year. That, to me, is, is crazy. Uh, I understand why they did it. They wanted him, and if they didn't offer him that contract, I think that Matt Rule would have gotten on a plane the next day and gone to interview with the New York Giants. Who knows what would have happened. I think he probably still would have ended up uh, in Carolina. But, but, but anyway, uh, you know, I digress here. Carolina's owner, David Tepper, has shown that he's willing to do whatever it takes. If he wants Phillip Rivers or if he wants Teddy Bridgewater, and I don't know who he wants – uh, they're $32 million under the cap, and I believe that he will do whatever it takes if that's what he wants to do. It could be that they will give, uh, that they will give Cam Newton one more chance, um, but I don't really get that sense. If it's basically six weeks after the end of the regular season and you've got an owner who is saying basically uh, that it's, you know, I don't know what I have in Cam Newton. You know, to me, that is saying that he probably uh, knows what he has in Cam Newton <laughs> and uh, he probably doesn't like what he has in Cam Newton. Um, I'm going to go to one other tributary now with Cam Newton. Where would he end up if he is cut uh, by the Carolina Panthers? I think that is a very, very difficult question to answer. I don't have a great answer. The easiest answer is to say the Chargers. Um, he'd be a good billboard for the Chargers if they don't get Brady. Um, and, and so I get it. But I'm going to try to attack the Cam Newton thing on a future podcast because I don't have a great idea. I don't have a great landing spot for Cam Newton. He's, he, people really don't know what he is right now, and I think that is one of the biggest problems, that even though he's still got six or eight years left to play, I think if he chooses to, Nobody really knows what he is right now. So uh, let's talk about the elephant in the room, Tom Brady. Um, as I wrote this week, I believe that it is logical and sensible and makes the most sense 
for him to return to New England because he knows that even, you know, look at what happened this year. They didn't have a great offense, uh, and they still basically were a bad fourth quarter against the Dolphins away from, you know, winning home field and getting a bye in the first round of the playoffs. So uh, Brady, I'm sure, knows that he's got his best shot with New England. But I wrote this this week, and I didn't write it blind. You know, I, I, I honestly think that Brady does understand that at some point, if he wants to go back to New England, he's going to have to tell him what he wants. He's going to have to sit with Bill Belichick and say, we've got to do better at these offensive skill positions. Now, probably in an ideal world, he'll say, you know, if you can assure me you'll do your damn best to go get Emmanuel Sanders and uh, maybe Austin Hooper or Hunter Henry at tight end, we need two day one weapons for this offense. I think that would go a long way to uh, – to making sure that that Brady has a good chance to come back. But the real issue, and which we do not know, no one knows. And the real issue is, what does Bill Belichick want? He has not leaked stuff. He hasn't said anything. He's So nobody really knows right now whether Bill Belichick wants to just say, hey, we're an old team. Let's just start over We'll do it with some real cap money this time, and we're going to rebuild this team. However long I'm coaching, we're going to start anew. Now, maybe he goes and gets Andy Dalton for a couple of years uh, from the Bengals because Dalton can be had. Um, And maybe he does that, or maybe what he does is just say, maybe we'll draft somebody. Maybe we'll draft Jordan Love, and we'll let Jordan Love and and, uh, Jarrett Stidham fight it out. I don't know, but that's par for the course. Bill Belichick is a good poker player. We really don't know what he's going to do. So please don't go saying, yeah, Peter King says the Patriots are definitely signing Brady. If I had to guess right now, that's what I would say. But I'm telling you, that's all it is, and that is a guess. So let's finish off with a couple of sentences on four more quarterbacks. Number one, Ryan Tannehill. I cannot for the life of me figure out why Tennessee would say, hey, let's let Tannehill go and let's let Brady play here for a year or two and try to hit the jackpot with a bonus at the end of his career with Tom Brady. It isn't that I don't think that Brady would be a better player in 2020 uh, protected well uh, than than Ryan Tannehill. I'm not saying he would, but I, I, I – Don't think it's a slam dunk uh, either way. So I understand the temptation of saying, man, we could have Brady. But let's just go back and remember one thing about Ryan Tannehill. He played 15 games, regular season and playoffs, uh, for the Tennessee Titans in 2019. He had the highest passer rating in the regular season this year of any quarterback uh, since 2013. Now, you can say, ah, passer rating, it stinks, it's no good. But look, <laughs> this guy, Ryan Tannehill, was throwing the ball downfield to A.J. Brown and to, and to some good receiver threats downfield. So the, he was not playing all dink and dunk. He was throwing the ball well. He completed 70%. Ryan Tannehill is a guy who 
if I'm the Tennessee Titans, I'm signing him right now uh, for the next four years. And let's basically try to make sure that we don't let a promising quarterback of the future get out of the building, especially when this team is $50 million under the cap. Next player. Uh, let's talk about Dak Prescott. Uh, this is going to be brief. Uh, as somebody told me in the last couple of weeks, Dak Prescott is not going anywhere. He doesn't want to go anywhere. Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones don't want him to go anywhere. And at the end of the day, <coughs> uh, Dak Prescott is not going to be the first player who's angry for a long time about his contract, especially a contract that's probably going to end up in the $37 million a year range. Uh, you think it's stupid money. All it is is monopoly money. That is it. It doesn't matter. The salary cap goes up again this year. It'll be, uh, you know, in the range of $200 million. Um, and the cap number for Dak Prescott will be somewhere, I'm guessing, around 28 or 30. So that is not a totally restrictive uh, cap number for a quarterback to have. I think the Cowboys have got to bite the bullet, sign him, and I just simply don't think there's much of a chance he does not sign there. Let's go to the three college quarterbacks now. Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, and uh, Justin Herbert. Look, everyone is trying to parse language right now with Joe Burrow. Uh, would he refuse to play for the Bengals? I doubt it. He's a coach's son. It just doesn't seem very likely to me that he would refuse to play for a team <laughs> in the NFL. Uh, he's the best quarterback available. People who say, hey, two is better. Look, we'll talk about this leading up to the draft. You cannot say that Tua is a better pick in the draft unless you this year, unless you have a crystal ball. Tua Tagovailoa three times in a 13-month span, suffered a significant injury, two high, high ankle sprains, one of which necessitated surgery, and a significant hip injury that necessitated surgery. It's probable that he's going to be fine. Um, and I, I, I say probable because, you know, you just don't know. But the one thing I will say is Joe Burrow does not have a major injury history. He's okay, and he had a much better season in 2019 than any quarterback in college football did. And I understand he's a one-year wonder. He is. He's a one-year wonder. But you do not throw the kind of footballs that he threw against Alabama, particularly some of the deep throws that he made. His yards per attempt is otherworldly. Um, look, he, this guy's going first to the – to the Bengals, and I just will be shocked if he doesn't um, and if he stages some kind of job action. I think that uh, it's most likely now that Tua Tagovailoa, if he passes medical muster, goes to the Dolphins at five, and just keep one thing in mind about the Dolphins at five, okay? And that is that there is no team in this draft that is stockpiled picks better than the Miami Dolphins. Okay, right now, they have three picks in the first round, 5, 18, 26. They have two picks in the second round, 
39-56. And they have their own third-round pick, which is high in the round, or, you know, early in the round, number 70 overall. So this is a team with six teams, or with six picks in the top 70. If some team comes up and threatens to take Tua Tagovailoa away from the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins have the ammunition to go get him. And now let's finish with Justin Herbert. To me, Justin Herbert is the kind of draft and develop quarterback that makes so much sense for Tom Telesco, uh, a disciple of Bill Polian, who always believed in developing quarterbacks, not buying them. And now Tom Telesco has finally... Um, you know, I shouldn't say this because it isn't like he means good riddance to Philip Rivers, but Tom Telesco, the GM, now finally has his chance to take his quarterback for the long-term future and to develop him his way, you know, in their system, in their scheme. And look, I don't know if that's the guy he wants, but I do know that in terms of developmental quarterbacks in this draft and exactly where the Chargers sit at number six, it makes so much sense that they go after Justin Herbert and give him a year. Look, the one of the biggest uh, uh, non-secrets, you know, in NFL coaching circles is how much the Chargers like Tyrod Taylor. And I think they would be very comfortable even in a year that is very important for them. I think they would be very comfortable from a football standpoint of going with Tyrod Taylor uh, for at least part of this year until uh, a, 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 a rookie quarterback is ready and running their team that way. Now, we all know, we all know that this might not only be a decision that can be made or that will be made uh, because – uh, you know, because of football, you know, the Chargers need to sell tickets. They need to sell premium seating, luxury suites. So this could absolutely unequivocally uh, be a factor in whatever happens uh, with this, with sort of a, a crazy quarterback situation. Because, look, I think that if Tom Brady really wants to go to the Chargers and uh, and the Chargers feel like they really need him, it's a marriage that very well could be made, but I definitely don't think that one is a slam dunk. So I think I have gone over most of the quarterback situations. I didn't mention John Gruden. Uh, I think Gruden is a major wild card in all this. They could get very greedy and throw the world at Brady, and who knows? You just get the feeling that John Gruden likes Derek Carr uh, but really doesn't love him. We'll see how that goes in, in you know, this offseason. And we'll, their actions will speak very loudly, uh, the actions of Mike Mayock and John Gruden, so we'll see. One other note uh, about the scouting combine this year. So <clears throat> every year at the combine, uh, which begins next Sunday with a lot of player interviews, and then Monday uh, the interviews are in full, uh, uh, basically go full bore. And then that starts the week of the scouting combine. It's going to be a little bit different this year. Uh, the workouts are going to be in prime time on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You'll want to watch the quarterbacks. They'll be developed or they'll be uh, uh, divided into two groups by uh, in alphabetical order 
One group will start at 7 p.m. next Thursday. Uh, and just to just so that you have this right, that's uh, going to be Thursday, February 27. Okay, so if you want to watch, uh, you know, the combine uh, and you want to, to see some of the quarterbacks throw, you're going to watch them Thursday night when you get home from work. Um, and, and also at the combine on Wednesday night, um, I will I always do an event at the scouting combine. Uh, I used to call it a tweet up. Uh, people would always say, what is that? I said, well, you follow me on Twitter. Come and follow me to the Sun King Brewery on the east side of Indianapolis. And uh, we'll talk football for an hour and a half. And uh, we'll have a beer. And and uh, it'll, be, it'll be a lot of fun. It's for a very, very good cause. We're doing it on Wednesday of next week at the Scouting Combine. So Wednesday, February 26th. Wednesday, February 26th, 6.30 p.m. Sun King Brewery in Indianapolis. Please come and see me. Uh, you can go to eventbrite.com, E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E. Eventbrite is one word. Eventbrite.com, and you'll be able to uh, find the NFL Combine Meetup with Peter King. Tickets are $25. All proceeds, all proceeds, go to Teachers Treasures, which is a nonprofit in central Indiana that fundraises for school supplies so that teachers in needy classrooms can go out and get school supplies for free if they really need it. This, this group, which um, you know I'm just getting familiar with because they're a Sun King. The Sun King is a benefactor of Teachers Treasures. Um, they have helped 5,910 teachers from 254 schools in Marion County, Indiana. That's central Indiana. Your $25 is going to go directly to get those desperately needed supplies for those teachers and those students in the needy districts. So I appreciate you uh, considering that. And if you want to go somewhere in Indiana next Wednesday night, I would love to have you. We'll have a good time. Um, I think that's it. I really appreciate everybody listening. I'll be live from the Combine next week. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do yet, but my next two weeks will be Combine-related and draft-related podcasts, so I look forward to those. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've gotten a tiny, tiny bit of education on what is coming and what's going to be a feverish free agency season. 